so again, uh, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we have the pleasure of hearing from Sarah Tapama, Chair of the Joint SOA-CIS Committee on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Sarah, I want to pivot for our, uh, a little bit from what we've been talking about the last few segments. And uh, when I, whenever I've done these interviews, uh, I like to focus in on people's opinions of uh, what makes people successful leaders. So in thinking about people you consider to be successful leaders, what, what traits do they have and how do they demonstrate that leadership? So, you know, I think for me, a big thing is trust. And I've always said, I've worked several places and I've always said, if I can look up the chain of command and people above me in the organization and trust, feel like I trust everybody, um, I, will, I will love where I work. And I would say when I can't say that, I haven't loved where I work. So. Um, I think right now I'm self-employed, so I, <laughs> I guess I better trust in my leadership. But, um, <laughs> um, but seriously though, I think it's really important um, to be able to say that you trust in what they're doing, that they have the best interests of people in heart and, and that they have the best interests of the organization. It's not personal. And I think along with that goes humility. You know, are people um, willing to learn and grow and, and admit when they're wrong or admit when they need to make a change? Um, willing to apologize when they should apologize and don't apologize when they shouldn't apologize. So I, I feel like that trust factor is, is a really important thing. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I've learned to appreciate is uh, when people see a challenge and really lean into it and instead of avoiding conflict or instead of avoiding, you know, the uncomfortable situation, they, they try to make the best of it. And in fact, they model that for other people. They demonstrate that they're doing that. And so others feel, like they're invited to also rise up to challenges and, and fail sometimes, but hopefully succeed most of the time. So I, I would say those are probably the two biggest is trust and just, you know, how, how they ch handle challenge. Yeah, which is interesting when you will we'll pivot back to the, the DE&I uh, aspect of things. I mean, I, I think all of those qualities really allow growth in that area, right? If people feel like they can trust the people that are, that are there to make decisions or manage them, feel like they've got an ally behind closed doors, they're gonna be much more hopefully satisfied in their job, stay with it longer, or stay with that company longer. I mean, I know I've experienced that uh, throughout my career. I've had managers that, uh, that I knew would advocate for me behind closed doors, and I had others that I questioned whether they would advocate for me behind closed doors. And, and it makes a big difference about your yeah. perception of, of what you do for a job. Um, so I, I, I love It totally that. does. Yeah, totally and, does. And giving somebody just that opportunity um, to, to voice their opinion, voice their concerns, um, talking about what, what's going well as long uh, as well as what maybe isn't going well and, and allowing that to be a comfortable conversation where they can say, you know what, this is driving me nuts about my job. You know, when I work with, with this person, this continually happens and it puts me in a bad position and, and then has this ripple effect. It, it can help us, I think, just when people are more open, I think we're going to be more productive in general. It's, it's good for the bottom line as, as it is for anything, right? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and, and I think, too, there's something to be said for um, getting to know people. You know what I mean? And like, to your point, like, if I know they're going to advocate for, advocate for me, they understand me, they know what, my, what motivates me, and they, you know, they, they know people well enough to know uh, what would be the right or wrong thing for somebody in a given situation. Yeah, because at the end of the day, even though we're all, especially when you're in a leadership position, you're, you're striving, you, you want to 
have good financial performance. You only get good financial performance if you've got good human performance, and, and you do actually have to focus on that on that front. Otherwise, you don't get one without the other. That's right. That's At least right. not long term. You may be in not long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Sarah, as you think about your role as a leader within the the teams that you've worked with, obviously. Um, you mentioned some of the, the employers you've had, some of the volunteer roles you've had, you've been put in leadership positions. Um, what adjustments have you had to make to be successful as a leader? Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I, actually, a couple of years ago, I went through a whole process of writing my own personal mission statement, which was a really interesting exercise, and it clarified a lot of things for me. I also had a professional coach. I was lucky enough to be able to get a, a coach at the time and uh, really helped me with this. So I would recommend everybody going through that process, first of all, is, is just doing some research and some thinking and maybe work with someone who can help you clarify it, but um, understanding sort of where your limitations are what and also what motivates you and then syncing those two things up is is a really really important exercise that everyone should do um but i think you know i i, I like to have like i'm i'm a total introvert but i and so i have a harder time kind of in a big group of people speaking up and being heard um but i found that forging one-on-one -on -one relationships with the people i work with closely is probably one of the best things you can do um, because again, you understand what motivates people and you should never assume that what motivates me motivates you. You know what I mean? It, it's not, people are not the same. So understanding what motivates them and, and what, what makes them feel successful and what they want to get out of a given situation can be very helpful. Um, and then I think too, with respect to speaking up again, I, I, it's not my natural tendency to speak up and make myself hard. So I, I do have to make myself do it. And then I have to, make sure I do that and sound authentic and not just obnoxious, you know, like, so <laughs> that's been a fine balance that I, that I work on on a daily basis. But, um, you know, I think, especially for women, I think this is true. Um, we're taught that we shouldn't speak up in, in at least many of us were taught that growing up and, you know, and so, so we're socialized that way. So trying to overcome that in an appropriate way without, you know, coming across as, as overbearing can be challenging. Um, but you have to sometimes, I have to make myself do it. So that's one thing I've tried to do is to, is to, you know, to make sure I, I, I have my voice heard and to make sure I feel like um, my voice deserves to be heard. And I have to tell myself that because I think, again, we're, we're sort of brought up with the socialization that um, we don't deserve to be heard or we our, our voice matters less than other people's voices. And so you have to overcome that and, and force yourself. Um, so that would say that would be one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last few years. And I've, I've really, I'm flexing that muscle on a daily basis and I, and I really work at it. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I came across the piece not too long ago um, that talked about, um, so thinking about building those personal relationships um, and that, that there was some research done. I, I wish I could remember where it came from, but it, essentially the conclusion was, is when you, when you get into a team meeting, as an example, the teams that would actually spend part of that meeting chit-chatting about things that were completely irrelevant to the topic at hand as to why that meeting was called were actually more productive, more successful than the teams that just came in, got right down to business, started in on their agenda. And, and it all came hmm. back to those personal relationships, um, which I find, I mean, for me, my personality is more of the type of, all right, we have a meeting. I don't want to waste people's time. Get in. Let's get the agenda going so that we can uh, get on our, our way and get things done. Um, and it's caused me to have to stop and, and, 
and, and allow some of those conversations to happen and even encourage those conversations to happen. Uh, and I think I've seen that even more over the last six months as a lot of people have been working virtually. Uh, it's important to just take the time to catch up, hear what people are up to, what did they do on the weekend, and, uh, and allow for that time. It, it definitely, um, I, I think, makes for a more successful outcome regardless of what, what type of uh, uh, project or meeting you're, 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 whatever the outcome is that you're trying to hope for. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Although you could take that chit chat to an extreme too. You know, we've all been in committees, maybe not necessarily work committees where it's like, okay, guys, we need to keep moving here. And that's fine, you know, but, but I, I think just understanding people and, and learning more about them can, it makes us all more productive and completely agree on that. Um, so Sarah, just to uh, start winding down here, um, I, I definitely appreciate the time uh, and your thoughts and opinions here. What else do you want people to understand about um, how they can um, become leaders within this diversity, equity, and inclusion space? Um, I think just making sure that you are an, a good ally. If you, well, first of all, if you're, if I'm a, you know, assuming that you are not a person of color or not an under sort of disadvantaged person in all of this, making sure that you're using your voice uh, to be a good ally. And, um, and if you are a person of color, um, trying to find your voice in an organization or, or either an actuarial organization or your, your company, um, find those allies too and have them help you because they are, they are there. They might not know what to do. And so they would probably love it if you help them. Um, I think too, um, we all need to work through biases. Probably the folks on this call or watching these videos um, are people who already care about it and, and maybe um, don't necessarily need to hear it, but try to reach out to those who don't think they need to hear it or don't think there's a problem um, and, and try to do it in subtle ways that, you know, like by modeling um, in meetings or modeling with other people, like inviting others to join a conversation, um, actively seeking out teams that are diverse. So, hey, we're putting together a team for this project. You know, we really need to have somebody who's younger or we really need to have somebody who grew up in an urban environment because, you know, it'll help our product development, whatever it is, you know, be, be actively thinking about what else you need to do to enhance your team and, and voicing that to other people so that they understand the reason that you're saying that. Uh, I think those are some of the, like the, the easy things, but um, I think too is just, uh, you know, being aware that um, the profession is working on it and we really want to get better. And we also would absolutely love everybody's input into what we could be doing better. Uh, again, we've got this fire hose of activity that we want to, we want to, you know, tackle, but um, we want to know what else people think need, need to happen. So yeah. I would say that's what I'd ask for. And clearly you can only do as much as you have people to, uh, um, hands to do the work, right? So the more people right. that we get involved in these <laughs> initiatives, the more we can get done. And there's clearly a lot that can be done. And it sounds like from what the, the joint committee is working on, there's plenty of initiatives out there that, uh, having a few additional able bodies to help propel them along would be beneficial. Uh, yes. That's great. Uh, again, uh, Sarah, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, join us today. I, I very much have appreciated your thoughts and, and opinions here. Would encourage everyone to go check out some of the work that's being done at the SOA and CAS on diversity and inclusion and, and equity, um, along with what we're doing here at the Conference of Consulting Actuaries. So you'll, you'll see uh, a page um, imminently coming on our website um, with a list of activities that we've got coming up um, 
action plans on how we intend to uh, continue to further these discussions along, support the, the work of the Joint Committee, supporting uh, the, the organizations like uh, Sarah mentioned, the International Association of Black Actuaries and the Organization of Latino Actuaries. So again, Sarah, thanks again for your time and uh, we appreciate everyone joining us today and hope you've gotten a lot out of this and some new insights and, and wish everyone well as they look to uh, continue to make uh, inroads within our own profession. Yeah, and thanks a lot for, for having this conversation. This was really fun and um, I hope we can continue it. Absolutely, all right. Thanks again, everyone. And, and thanks to Sarah for joining us. And uh, we look forward to, uh, uh, to our, next, uh, our next interview. Thanks, everyone. Bye.